Here we are on the Friday evening of Holy Week. It all started on Sunday, Palm Sunday, the day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, cheered by the people who threw their coats on the ground to smooth his way. Then in the evening, he probably headed back to the outskirts of town, to Bethany, to the home of Lazarus, his friend. Monday, he returns to Jerusalem and visits the temple, where he speaks out against the corrupt money changers, clearing the temple with the words, the scriptures declare, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a den of thieves. On Tuesday, Jesus debates with religious leaders again at the temple, and in the afternoon teaches at the Mount of Olives. On Wednesday, Judas secretly plans to betray him. On Thursday, last night, which we call Maundy Thursday, Jesus shares a last supper with his friends, this Passover meal, and during the meal, he introduces the disciples to the Eucharist communion and tells them how he will live on in our lives in this way. They do not understand. How could they? After dinner in the upper room, he and his disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus asks his friends to stay awake and pray with him. They fall asleep instead. Jesus is betrayed, arrested, brought in for questioning by the Jewish authorities. Friday morning comes, Good Friday, although it feels anything but good. Jesus is questioned by the temple leaders and then Roman authorities, mocked, flogged, crucified. This is Friday. Today, Good Friday. And our worship today, tonight, is built around these tragic events, the darkest hour in the Christian year. And I want to look at just one moment, just one, and it's this. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. A crown of thorns, even if you were to set it lightly on your head, it would hurt, but Jesus is being shoved and beaten too, and each shove and blow would drive the thorns deeper into his skin. He would bleed and feel piercing pain. So why did the soldiers make this crown? Why are they so determined to mock Jesus? In their eyes, only the emperor wears a crown. Making Jesus a crown of thorns, 
the soldier's message to Jesus is plain. You can't be king. Your kingship is laughable. Kings, they would think, ought to be rich and regal, draped in finery and supremely powerful, able to command armies to inspire loyalty and fear to conquer. So what to make of a poor rabbi condemned by the religious leaders of his own faith? What kind of king is that? They think it's a joke. Except we know God has an entirely different message for us in the beating and the mocking of Jesus on this day thousands of years ago. God reverses our ideas, our ideas about what matters. Jesus has nothing. He's reduced to nothing. No privilege, no power, no help. And yet he is our king, teaching us in this moment that his kingdom, God's kingdom, cannot be destroyed, even in death, far from it. And this reversal changes everything we know about how the world works. This transcends our human ideas about power and influence and what it means to win because Jesus loses everything, yet his power in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, his power grows and grows and is growing even still exponentially. His demeanor in John's gospel through the final days and hours of his life is kingly, majestic, serene, full of purpose. He is accomplishing. His crown of thorns is a crown to worship and admire because it shows his pain and love and sacrifice for us. That kind of power over our very souls matters deeply, matters most. The power of self-giving love, a taste of the kingdom to come. And tonight, this night, in the midst of sadness, we know that it is very good. Amen.